The Old Testament reading for this morning, as well as the basis for our time together, is uh, Isaiah, beginning in chapter 12. I'm going to back it up one verse, because if I read the first verse, we'll listen to the whole chapter, and it's only six verses in total. So this is Isaiah, chapter 12. It is written, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all of the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love, for love would be love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith, but the hope and the love are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you are not ready for thought. So the darkness shall be the light, and the stillness the dancing. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. If you would review the parables of Jesus, you will find God depicted as a landlord, an unjust judge, a farmer, an old woman in search of a lost coin, a waiting father, a banker. Jesus described himself as bread, light, a vine, a door, a gate, a road. And not to be outdone, the Holy Spirit reveals itself as the wind, a tongue of flame, a dove, a counselor, and perhaps most famously, Jesus said that a wonderful way to remember him and to experience his power anew would come through water, bread, and wine. And so after that lead into the imagery of Isaiah chapter 12, we hear of salvation as being like water drawn from a well. Or perhaps better, salvation is like water drawn from many wells. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now, what exactly do you think that looks like to you? If you're like me, maybe you get a picture of a brick well in your mind's eye, and maybe there is a bar with a handle attached, and from the center of that bar, there is a brown braided rope dangling down from which is hanging a wooden bucket. 
In other words, if you are like me, you probably picture a well like we have seen countless times in old Western movies. A few of you here may actually be old enough to have actually drawn water from such a well, but for most of us, those images are gone. Even if you happen to live outside of a city or have a cabin that has a well, all that means anymore is that somewhere on your property there is a pipe sticking out of the ground that houses the wires that goes to your submersible pump that in turn supplies your house with internal plumbing. Still, we probably don't like the sound of updating Isaiah to read, with joy you will dispense water from the faucet of salvation. It just doesn't quite sound as poetic. This entire chapter contains only about 60 words in the original Hebrew, and it is six verses long. And usually I think this chapter is ignored because it follows right on the heels of some more familiar imagery in Isaiah. Chapter 9 gives us for the for unto us a child is born passage. And Isaiah 11 gives us the wonderful image of a branch from the stump of Jesse. But this chapter 12, this is wonderful stuff. Someday, a shoot from the stump of Jesse is going to show up, and this chosen one will remake our world. He will restore the fortunes of Israel. But it won't just happen politically, folks, although part of the promise is that the exiles of Israel will be regathered and replanted in the promised land. But we're also told that shalom, Peace will break out all over. Lamb and lion, they will lie down together. Cows and bears, they will graze together in the same pasture. And babies and little tots will be able to crawl around near snakes and not be harmed. And the work of this chosen one will be so great that there won't be any danger, any harm, any grief, anywhere, anymore. And after all of that, Isaiah 12 lets us know how we will feel when all of that happens. You see, everyone will be bursting out in song. This salvation that is coming is so stunning that people won't be able to contain themselves. They'll be jumping up and down in sheer joy. And it is in this same context that we hear the words about finding delight and joy in drawing water from the wells of salvation. And that whole image of drawing water from a well is so old-fashioned and foreign to us that we probably would have a hard time feeling much joy over that. But we also lose something of an appreciation for just how precious water was to the people of Isaiah's day. They lived in hot, arid climates. We open our faucets thoughtlessly. We waste an awful lot of water, letting the shower run for a few minutes just to get nice and hot before we get in. We flush the toilet just to get rid of a Kleenex and so on. And most of us have never known a truly thirsty day in our lives. But the people of Isaiah's day, they knew thirst. They didn't buy bottled water. They couldn't open up a tap. They didn't have a fridge with a pitcher of cold water in it. They had wells. And when the wells went dry, danger was real. 
So back then, if you could find a reliable well from which you could draw good water, it was a source of joy. But in this image, the wells are not just sources of water, but the very wells of salvation. This is living water. This is saving water. This is the fountain of life. But even so, we may have a hard time getting to the full joy of this because perhaps we've never really been thirsty for salvation either. Not only have we rarely, if ever, experienced physical thirst, maybe we've never experienced spiritual thirst either. How many of us have genuinely felt lost only to discover the joy of being found? Have any of us felt spiritually blind only to receive the joy of getting our sight back? How many of us have felt so parched, so bone dry in our souls that the flow of salvation's waters revived us in a joy we just didn't think was possible? God is our strength, our salvation, our joy, and our song. There's one other interesting part of this image of a well. You see, folks, wells don't create water. They just tap it. If you need the well drilling people to come out, they will plunge their drill bit into the earth until they hit water, and then they will sink the well right there to draw up out of the earth what is already there. And the day will come, Isaiah says, when the living earth will be a living source of eternal life. And Advent reminds us once again that salvation emerged from the earth. However it was that a virgin conceived a child, the fact is that it was a human egg that got fertilized, and it was a human uterus that bore within its tiny self that Lord of life for nine months. For you see, the waters of salvation are a gift, and the moving water in the Christmas story is the water of childbirth. Water flowed from Mary, and from this fountain came Jesus, Ten fingers and ten toes, two eyes and ears, one nose, a heart that loves, lungs that breathe, hands that healed, and legs that walked into and out of people's lives. The vulnerable package of salvation was wrapped in the flowing waters of childbirth. Incarnation came from the waters of childbirth. The fountain flowed, and we received this gift with joy. As we continue to prepare to receive the mystery that is Jesus, may we remember and think about the branch of hope, the dawn of peace, and the waters of joy. Amen.